So we've been looking uh, together at a series called Be the Church. And Tom's been using 2 Corinthians to pull this out for us. We've looked at identity, we've looked at grace, we've looked at hospitality, we've looked at groaning. And a great thing about the Bible is that in the books of the Bible, you often get little passages that summarize what's been said up to that point. And the Apostle Paul is really good at doing this. So we're going to get one of those juicy summary passages today from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And the great thing about this is it allows us to slow down the pace a little bit and look back over what we've already heard uh, to make sure we can really apply it and not just skid on so fast that we haven't really changed. Because what we really want is for the word to transform us. So here is, um, we've, we, this is the New Living Translation version um, and we've slimmed it down a little bit so that we can just make sure we grab onto what Paul is saying here. So this is 2 Corinthians 6, verses 3 to 4. And Paul says, In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or they praise us. Powerful, powerful stuff there from Paul in 2 Corinthians. So he's telling us how to be the church. And how to be the church, we believe, is three core things. First of all, he's telling us to be a faithful presence. Telling us to be a faithful presence. Second of all, he's telling us to sow life. To sow life. And third of all, he's telling us to do it into the city. To do it into the city. So as a church... This is a really neat summary of what we are corporately being called by the Lord to do and what we're individually being called by God to do. To be a faithful presence, sowing life into the city. So let's just make sure we get this. Uh, When Paul says he wants to be a faithful presence, imagine he shows up into a city. He was a tent maker. And so he goes to the marketplace, and when he's making tents, he's doing it with purity. He's not cheating, he's not lying. What he's doing in his job is he's interacting with customers who may be trying to haggle and barter with him. He's doing it with understanding. When he's working with his suppliers, he's doing it with patience and with kindness. When he's meeting people and talking to them about Jesus, he's doing it with understanding. He's hearing them, he's listening to them, he's doing it with patience. In everything he's doing, he's saying... He is being a faithful presence. And he says we as a church become in whatever city, in Corinth, in Galatia, in Ephesus, in Croydon, we are people who are a faithful presence. That's what it is to be the church. When we're working, when we're dealing with customers or clients, when we're dealing with people in our own home, down our neighbours, we're doing it as people who are faithful to the God, who is kind and understanding and pure and patient. And then 
he says, in everything we do, in everything we do. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get the idea, I think, that God's really interested in our doctrine, which he is. And sometimes you get the idea that God's most interested in how much evangelism you've done, which he does love that. But what he really loves is in everything, in everything we do, that we are people who are faithful to him. Hidden things and public things. Things that maybe feel really religious and spiritual and things that feel so earthy and normal and mundane in everything we do. And so faithful presence, sowing life. Paul says this, by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. To sow life is to have word and spirit. Word, this is the truth. This is who God is. We won't change that. And spirit. Spirit is the power of God to change you and meet with you. Word and spirit. And, and what I think is really important is that he talks about sowing. Or we've captured the word sowing. Because the reality is that to do what Paul asks us to do as the church requires sometimes attack and sometimes defense. It's like being a farmer where you sometimes have to spend a hard day getting blisters on your hand, digging up soil. That's what it is. He's like, this t- it's sowing is an active thing where we fight for people. When we first was asked to come to Croydon by uh, the Lord, sort of eight, eight and a bit years ago, it was really us as a family of six and another family, Phil and Caroline, who've just recently moved to the South Coast, and, and a couple of others. And it was like, Flip, what is it to be the church in Croydon? There's like eight of, eight of us. What are we going to do? And, uh, and it, it was just this feeling, like right from the start, but, but go fight for people. Go fight for people, like win them to Jesus. Like help them be set free from the things that bind them. Help them to claim hold of the stuff God has for them. Sowing life takes a fight. And as the church, you know, you and I are at times called to fight for things, to fight for people. That's what it is. And we do this into the city. Now what do we mean by the city? Sowing life into the city. Well, in the Bible, you'll know city is sometimes something really exciting and like amazing. So in the Old Testament, part of the law was you create cities of refuge. These are places you could flee to and you'd be safe. A city can be a safe place. A city can also be an, a, an amazing, attractive place of opportunity. Church is a city on a hill. In Revelation, all of Revelation culminates in a city. It's an amazing thing, but also a city can be a terrifying and difficult thing. And and don't you think when you look at Croydon, you think there's some things about this that are really attractive and amazing and some things that aren't quite so great. And and to be the church, Paul says, is to endure troubles, hardships and calamities patiently and to serve God whether people honor you or despise you. Now it's quite easy, if I may be slightly cheeky, to be a suburban church where you just find nice people who kind of live a little bit like Jesus anyway, and you just, you just kind of do nice things in the suburbs. And then you go to the city, and I think I found it as shocking. You kind of, we, when we first were in Croydon, we were doing stuff out on the streets, and people would be like, you know, all kinds of things to you. They were just really rude to you, and like, all kinds of massive things. You're thinking, whoa, like, what is this? And then you realize to be the city 
To be the church is to sow life into the city, whether people are rude to you or whether they love you, whether they reject you or whether they accept you. You keep on doing the same thing. And I think that's just what it is to be the church. That we are people, that we become people who are faithful presence, sowing life into the city in which we live. So we're going to break it down for you a little bit in this way. So hopefully there's a lovely slide up there. A faithful presence sowing life into the city. And this is really drilling down into what we believe that means for us as a specific church in in our specific context. So we've got culture of worship. Above all, we prioritize Jesus' glory and his presence. We worship him, are formed by his word, and seek empowering by his spirit. I'm going to read it off there because that's way too small for my, my eyes. Uh, we've got life change groups. We, we commit to fun healing friendships with diverse people, together seeing past pain healed, sin overcome, and kingdom gifts developed. Raising sons and daughters. We meet noughts to 18s where they are at, showing them the love of Jesus and investing in them long term so they reach their potential in God. Neighbours and nations. Now, you may have heard us articulate this as Love Croydon before, so we've tried slightly changed the wording on this. Uh, Neighbours and nations. We show kingdom hospitality through our homes and speak grace in our jobs. Through VES, Vignard English School, we express God's compassion for other nations. And then finally, kingdom leadership. We seek widespread spiritual renewal through training up leaders for kingdom ministry and praying for and helping other churches. Exciting stuff. So this is what we will refer to as our five emphases. And we've slightly reworded them um, to keep it fresh and to really help us to see what it means to be the church in this time. So we'll come back to these again next week. Uh, But just notice for now how our two emphases, the first two emphases, to build a culture of worship and to have life change groups. These help us, notice how these help us to be a witness. They show us what it is to be faithful and they connect us directly to our God who not only stands God over us but also lives in us by his spirit to help us be the faithful people he wants us to be. And then notice how our next two emphases, below that, raising sons and daughters and neighbours and nations, help us to see how, how practically we can sow life into our city. They clarify a few people groups that we believe God has particularly asked us to reach. So you may not know that Croydon Vineyard has always been overrun by kids. I don't know how you may not know that, but you may not know that. Croydon Vineyard's always been overrun by kids. When we first planted, there eventually were about 12 adults and 13 kids when we first planted. And God has asked us to raise sons and daughters of the faith. And let's talk about the nations. I just want to flag up to you quite what an incredible thing you are involved with by being part of this church as we run Vineyard English School. So here are some photos uh, of the classes we run in our offices on Friday mornings. It's been online for a while because of COVID and we've now gone on some Friday morning live classes. And just look at these photos. This is utterly amazing. 
We now have five days a week of classes, some online and some in person. And we're seeing huge numbers of people from many nations joining us to receive equipping in the English language, which means they can access all sorts of other things. Uh, you would have heard a few weeks ago from Andy, there about the 30 people in Afghanistan we were able to minister to throughout the painful transition of that country as leadership back in August. So as a church, we give just over 20K a year to Vineyard English School. So this is your giving. Even if you cannot be part of that class and teach the English, your giving as part of this church funds that incredible ministry. And we absolutely love it. We absolutely love it. And so does the Lord, of course. So God has also given us an emphasis on our neighbours, on our neighbours, our physical neighbours and those we count as neighbours wherever we are when we're working and playing. We grew, Croydon Vineyard grew from being a church around our literal kitchen table to being a church meeting across two services in a cinema. And that happened through people sharing Jesus with the people in their lives, with their neighbours, what we would call our neighbours. So I just want to highlight to you a wonderful woman called Sarah Gandhi. She's not in this service, she was in the last one. She is an amazing woman and she loves to in invite neighbours to things, her neighbours, her work colleagues. She speaks to them, she loves them, she shares her story and she invites them to things. So I'm just going to tell you a story about Sarah Gandhi that happened recently. And just to give you a slight warning, uh, there's a bit of a, a shock to the end of this story. Um, but ultimately, it is a good thing. So about four weeks ago, Sarah Gandhi had a work colleague that she was speaking to and talking to about her story, about how she became a Christian. She was telling her work colleague about Jesus and praying with her while she was giving her a lift home. Now, her work colleague wasn't a Christian. But then she came here to church about two weeks ago. And during the prayer time at the end, she listened to the, the message. And at the prayer time, she came forward and she responded. She asked for prayer. We don't know exactly what happened, but she was prayed for and something clearly happened. She met with Jesus. She was touched by Jesus. And God was doing something. She gave some money to the offering and she said she was so grateful and that she wanted to come back again. Uh, unfortunately and really sadly, a week later she fell suddenly ill and she passed away. She was a young lady. And you know, that invite from Sarah come towards Jesus and what Sarah was sharing with her just as a neighbor made a huge huge difference in the last days of that lady's life we didn't know it at the time but it did and not only that but it may have made a massive difference to her eternity so we want to say to you this is real stuff that we're dealing with here every day of the week and every Sunday when we gather there's real stuff happening and the Lord is moving. Yeah, this is uh, this has been one of those things, hasn't it? That over the last eighteen months, I think we've all looked and thought, "Wow, life is more fragile and more fleeting than I'd quite." I kind of knew it was, but there's something about it that's become more real to me, and uh, that was, of course, what drove Paul, what drove 
Jesus, our God, sees the fragility of life. And his calling to be the church is to say, people do stand between life and death. Would there be a people who will be faithfully present among them? Will there be a people who will sow life and invitation to Jesus and to grace among them? And will there be people who do that whether or not they respond well, we'll just keep on doing it. And that's what we feel God inviting us and asking us to be. Will we be the church? Now, you know, we can talk about all this stuff and have nice pictures. I was quite impressed with my pictures. I think they're nice pictures. For me, that's a big thing. But to be honest, no matter how nice things look or how clever things sound, it all comes down to will we do it? And and whether we do it is whether he does it. It's all at the end of the day, isn't it? Another of those things from lockdown and COVID, you think there's only so far human effort can get us. Like we need the presence of the Lord. We need him to move. And just like in the wilderness with the Israelites, you know, they had all the tent and all the instructions for what to build and where to put it and all that kind of stuff. But if the presence of the Lord moved on, they had to pack it all down and relocate and put it all up again where he said. And so we're just really conscious that we want to pray the prayer like Moses prayed. Lord, if you don't go with us, if your presence is not among us, how would anyone know that you're pleased with us? What will set us apart? How can we do any of this stuff if you're not among us? So what we want to invite you all to do now is to do two things. Uh, we love these initiatives. We've got a worship circle night. The last one was so amazing. We've got one on Wednesday night. Football Academy, we've been loving doing. Small groups, many of them, we hear great reports of fun stuff. Houses of hospitality, English school, stuff going in Bulgaria. Like, there's so many different things going on. And what we just want to do is say, Lord, would you empower us to be your people? We're looking uh, for a prayer of empowerment, of his presence being among us. For you in your workplace to be somebody who speaks grace, who is like a walking house of hospitality, we need the presence of the Lord for that. And also we want to ask for a sense of guidance. That tent that we set up, like we just, Lord, tell us exactly what you want us to do like we we think we're in the right place here but just confirm and direct so we're going to just do that now we're going to ask the lord to by his spirit come and to empower and you may just look at these things and think yeah do you know what i just feel the lord's highlighting to me invitational sundays i just feel like some people i need to start inviting to sundays maybe you look at it and think oh just uh youth stuff i just feel like the lord's speaking to me about young people who knows right you just look and it may be that he said something to you through that and a sense of empowering for that or it might be that you begin to feel he's saying something to you which is just maybe to share with the church right? actually we feel like the, the i think the lord might be saying this to us right now so we're going to pray give a few minutes pause and then we're going to have a roaming microphone leslie's going to come and stick a microphone in front of you and um, where you can say, look, I think the Lord might be saying this. Like, we love you, but we don't want your ideas. We want, we, you know, if it's the Lord. And we reserve the right to weigh those things.
but we'd love to just ask him to speak and to lead us on and to guide us. So shall we pray? If you've not done this before, what we're just going to do is we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us and then we sit and we trust that he does speak. So Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, God our Father, we lay ourselves out before you again. We want to be your people, faithful to you in every context. We want to sow life into this city in which we live and work. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you now move among us, empower us and guide us for your glory's sake.